It's time for episode 319 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 6th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we only fall back half an hour. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet of ours by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? Oh, boy. It is another day. There's maybe another dollar out there. I don't know. I haven't checked yet. But uh, yeah, 30 minutes back. This is a, a weird a weird situation we it's, find ourselves it's a li- in. It's a little awkward. It's a little <laughs> awkward timing-wise. But we're going to make the best of it. And we're going to do that with the help of our two fantastic guests this week. To my left, it is a good friend, a video designer at Panic, and as I was recently told, true neutral. It's Krista Morgan. Hi, Krista. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And to my left, it is writer photographer, and co-host of the Photoactive podcast, it's Mr. Jeff Carlson. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, happy to have you. All right. This is, of course, the show where we talk about four technology topics, and I'm going to kick things off. I spent yesterday afternoon migrating my blog from one server to another because of a litany of different technical things that required me to uh, update some software, which was not as easy to do. Um, But it did make me wonder, what is sort of the nerdiest technical thing that you do on a regular or semi-regular basis? I'm thinking about something that might be a little bit on the esoteric side or just a really kind of technical task that you need to do every once in a while or more than that. Krista? Well, I don't know that this is terribly technical, but I probably just manage my budget using an app called YNAB obsessively. Um, And it's pretty nerdly. Uh, or I also um, I manage our chest freezer, pantry, regular fridge, and freezer with an app called Pantry Check. So I don't know. I just find comfort in like managing assets and like looking closely at <laughs> columns and using spreadsheet type things to uh, look at inflows and outflows and make plans. I don't know. It's pretty nerdy. Um, also, just setting up like elaborate Rube Goldberg audio recording um, things is another <laughs> nerdy task that I do. That is delightful. I wish that I now I'm going to start becoming a pantry pantry person uh, because that sounds like it's right up my alley. Uh, I would say that my biggest nerdiest thing that I do is and it well I guess I should say it first and then I'll get into it a little bit. But um, is is paying attention to and tracking my sleep. Um, I have multiple ways of tracking my sleep, including a device that goes between your mattress and the box springs uh, that tracks my sleep, as well as the Apple Watch, which I wear at night and use an app. And then there is a new device that I'm testing that is uh, at least new to me, and it is called a sleep tuner. And it is specifically for tracking your blood oxygen content while you're sleeping and looking for uh, stop breathing events. Uh, essentially to determine if the cause of of issues with sleep are due to uh, conditions like sleep apnea. Now, the problem with tracking your sleep is that there is a condition emerging uh, that researchers are looking into where basically if you over-track your sleep, then it begins to affect your sleep. Hmm. And so I'm trying to be mindful of that. Um, Other than just 
tracking all aspects of my sleep and whether I'm getting enough or not. I guess updating firmware on all of the smart devices I have in my home uh, is pretty nerdy, and that happens mm, pretty regularly. Jeff, what about you? I think for me, and, and this doesn't seem to fall into the like extreme nerdy camp, but it always seems to take a lot more time than I expect. And that's just dealing with storage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, I make a lot of photos. Um, there's all sorts of backups and things like that. And about once a year, I realize that, okay, I've got a media drive that's filling up. So I need to replace that. Well, what do I need to replace it with? And do I need to go buy a new hard drive or can I use one that I you know, already have that you know isn't being used as well as it should uh, and then do i take the old hard drive and maybe put that in a nas and like just all of that i don't know like it's sort of like the pantry check it's just i need to figure out where all of my bits are going and where that's going to be and you know it always seems like, okay, this will take me like an hour, two hours, and then I've got the spreadsheets out. And then I'm you know, trying to figure out which hard drives still work, and then suddenly you know, a day is gone. So that's my—it's it, frustrating and yet uh, so satisfying when it gets done. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned up top, I spent some time. I maintain my own website, which runs on a Linode server. They're not even sponsoring the show today, but I can talk about it because I use it. <laughs> um, and that means like rolling my own Linux installation and my own web server and all of that jazz. And in, in a previous life, I did do IT and web dev stuff. So that's kind of like like old skills that I get to dust off every once in a while. And it's also something that I enjoy because I... I think it's just like it uses a different side of my brain. Uh, and so, you know, if I can spend my afternoon every, uh, every you know, six months or something doing a little bit of server maintenance and making stuff work or playing around with new projects there, it's, I find it, it kind of relaxing until I break everything, which I've definitely done. <laughs> and then it's less relaxing. But fortunately, this time went very smoothly. Thanks for all your answers on that topic. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Krista. All right. Um, Catalina, I haven't updated to it yet on either of my Macs, which is really unusual for me. Um, So I typically update to whatever the new OS is, like, immediately. I'm just too wary for now, though, of bugs, especially for Adobe After Effects and Premiere, which are two apps that I use every day. So if you're a Mac user, have you updated yet? Um, And if not, and even if so, what's your update style generally? Like, right away? um, Or do you click Remind Me Later a few times? Do you wait to run beta versions um, of new operating systems? uh, Or do you um, run those betas on machines you use every day? Do you do it on, like, special dedicated machines? And am I a Luddite now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I would say that I'm in a unique position, maybe not among us, but certainly among... um, the general consumer in that I have the privilege of having two uh, computers that I can use so that one, the one that I'm using right now in my home office uh, has not, does not have Catalina installed on it. And the one that I use at work and for work does have Catalina installed on it because there uh, we have an entire studio dedicated to uh, recording the video and audio that I do for my job and at home, I do not have an entire separate studio. So this needs to be my ready to go production machine with as few issues as possible. So I get to try Catalina um, on my work machine and play around with it and make sure that I understand how it works 
again, for my job. Um, but outside of that, I... Uh, this is a very specific situation to Catalina where I don't really care to have updated to it. And I'm kind of sad that I did because of all of the complications of it. So it'll be interesting to see how I handle this in the future and whether I rely on others who have decided to update to the latest version of macOS instead of doing it myself because of how many times I've been absolutely and utterly annoyed by Catalina and its existence. Jeff, what about you? So I used to run like the latest betas on on my main machines probably about a month before release, and that had to do with different projects I was working on at the time. And I've noticed that that's been getting later and later over the past few years. Again, sometimes it's just because I don't need one of them. So like I may not be writing about the new macOS version. Um, this year, uh, I did have Catalina in a uh, VMware partition so that I could test it, but it turned out that there was a problem there because, for example, the Photos app wouldn't show me like the Photos library, and I have no idea. I, I think it had something to do with the the graphics card and how it was being translated, something. Uh, and so it wasn't until almost until the full release that I realized that, oh, this wasn't a bug in Catalina. This was a problem with my environment, and I had to go and install it on a separate, uh, you know, uh, SSD external drive. So to get back to the answer, um, I, I'm kind of getting gun shy from, from doing this. Um, so like I didn't upgrade to Catalina until maybe what, th- uh, three weeks after it came out. Um, so I've, I've barely been running it. I, I, I am running it on my main hardware. Um, and for some reason I haven't had as many troubles as most people. So maybe it's because I missed the, the initial shakeout, but, um, for that, it, for, for iOS, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I will have maybe, you know, a few weeks before it releases, I'll update um, to the beta. But otherwise, like, I kind of feel like I'm I'm past that bleeding edge. I don't know if I'm a Luddite, but <laughs> I'm not quite hip anymore. <laughs> uh, I am still mostly riding the bleeding edge. I'm, I'm earlier on the iOS betas than on the Mac betas these days, although um, I did update to the Catalina betas around the time, maybe shortly before the GM came out. Um, And I thought I might hold off on my iMac, which is sort of my main work machine. And then I just kind of did it anyway. Um, And part of that is I just hate having like my devices not in parity. Used to be when I had a Mac mini server in my house that I would leave that a version or so behind just for security and safety and all that. I no longer have that server running, so I don't do that anymore. Um, I I feel like I tend to update pretty quickly. And like Jeff, I haven't run into as many problems. A lot of them have been sort of quirky bugs. That I'm like, well, that's weird. Write that down in the notebook, but not something that like stops me from getting my job done. Um, so uh, maybe my experience is, is not as severe as some other people. And I think it, it does highly depend on the kind of software that you're using. So uh, for me... I still think I try to, again, because like Micah, I'm sort of writing about this stuff or thinking about it. Uh, I do tend to update pretty quickly, but yeah, I haven't jumped on the beta train as early as in previous years. And part of that is just the reputation of these these software updates these days. Krista, any last thoughts to uh, take us out with? Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I think 
Well, for me, anyway, I'm just going to go uh, troll the subreddits of uh, After Effects and Premiere and just see how it's going for everyone um, before I decide to upgrade. <laughs> sounds <laughs> sounds smart. Well, that is two topics down, two topics left to go, which, of course, means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Direct Mail. It's an easy-to-use email marketing app that was designed exclusively for the Mac to help you create and send great-looking email newsletters. Email marketing is still an incredibly cost-effective way to reach your customers and grow your business. And for the past 15 years, Mac users around the world have trusted the Direct Mail app to handle all of their email marketing needs. It's designed just for the Mac, which means it's fast, it's easy to use, and it works great with the other apps and services that you already use. With Direct Mail, you can get in-depth campaign reports that show you who's reading, who's clicking, who's sharing your newsletters. You can grow your mailing list by creating email sign-up forms that you can add to your website or Facebook page, and you can have email campaigns sent automatically without you lifting a finger, plus much, much more. They have real human live chat customer support that's available to answer your questions, and Direct Mail is the number one top-rated email marketing app for the Mac, with five-star reviews on the App Store, GetApp, and elsewhere. Plus, it's trusted by small businesses, nonprofits, schools, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Direct Mail is free to download and get started, and listeners of this very podcast can save 10% off all of the full feature pricing plans. So head over to directmailmac.com slash clockwise to check it out. That's directmailmac.com slash clockwise to get 10% off when you opt for a full feature plan. Our thanks to Direct Mail for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Okay, halftime has concluded. Micah Sargent, what's your topic today? So Adobe has launched Photoshop on iPad. Um, They had promised it for a while, and at Adobe Max, they said, hey, we've got it now. It's here. Check it out. Awesome. Cool. Great. Uh, It made me wonder, do you do (laughs) any photo editing on your mobile devices, like your tablet or your phone, or do you prefer to use your PC for that? Alternatively, maybe you use both. I guess I'm mostly curious about your photo editing workflow and how much mobile plays a role in that. Jeff? Huh. We'll start with you. Huh. I've I've never heard of these things. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I actually tend to do quite a bit. Uh, I use Lightroom Mobile on the iPad, and I find that it does, uh, you know, pretty much almost anything that I need to do. Now, that said, I'm not choosing the iPad at any given moment just because it's there. Um, if I'm in front of my Mac, then, then I'll, I'll do the editing there. But what's nice is... Um, you know, Lightroom Mobile and a host of other programs, uh, they all work with the Apple Pencil. So if there's some sort of edit that I want to do, if I want to do some some dodging and burning or I want to, you know, darken just a sky, I can do that with the pencil on my iPad, even if I'm sitting in front of my Mac because I don't have a Wacom tablet uh, that can do that, that sort of editing. So that's really nice. And because I also use the the Lightroom, not Lightroom Classic, but the new, newer Lightroom cloud-focused version, uh, e- everything syncs really, really well. So that's that's definitely a bonus. Um, I think what's interests me most about Photoshop for iPad is not just uh, people editing photos, but I'm really curious to see how many people are going to use it for like more advanced compositing and and taking advantage a lot of the um, the the layer capabilities and those sort of more advanced things that Lightroom doesn't really deal with. Affinity Photo will do some of that. And so that that's my big question to see whether people are going to be using that. I am on the other end of the spectrum. I do almost no photo editing. Uh, when <laughs> I do have to do uh, something that's more complex, I tend to use Acorn on my Mac. 
um, because that is the app that I'm most familiar with. And I used to use it a lot when I worked at Macworld just for like simple things, cropping and editing and that kind of thing. Uh, the only exception being like, I mean, I do some, you know, photo editing of stuff that uh, I've taken with my iPhone. So if I take an iPhone picture, I'm editing it before posting it somewhere. I will do some very light tweak i don't even do that much honestly like i don't i don't i'm not good enough with the color like all the but there's all these powerful tools and i'm like i like that button that you press once and it like fixes your photo for you like that's my level of photo editing expertise so i'm not really a photo editor mobile or otherwise um i actually use my iphone's camera way more than the professional camera i have for work um just because the camera's gotten really good and it's always with me um so because of that i do actually do a lot of editing directly on my phone either in apple's own photos app um, where the tools just continue to get better and so usually i can just um do some some fixes there or i like to use an app um called darkroom for ios um and then otherwise um if i'm taking like a professional photo with uh, the big <laughs> camera i don't know you have to say it like that you do um, then yeah then i then i use my um my fancy computer um but yeah i don't know i do a lot of editing on my phone awesome uh so for me i'm a little bit more like uh dan in that i don't really know necessarily what i'm doing uh but it is because of that that i like to use different apps um specifically on my mobile device i think a lot of times the the apps that you have on your uh, pc are tools made for folks who really know what they're doing know what it means to adjust the curves along the highlights uh, at 20 percent. i'm probably not making any sense uh, or maybe by luck i am and on Mobile devices, a lot of times it's just, hey, if you hit a couple buttons, you're going to get a photo that you may feel looks cool. Um, so I am excited about that. Well, what's, what's been interesting is hearing about others talk about Photoshop on iPad uh, who use Photoshop as what the word implies, a shop for editing photos. <laughs> and so they are excited about it or maybe not excited about it because they can't work with raw photos and things like that. I was a freelance graphic designer for some time, and so I used Photoshop as a tool for doing uh, some graphic design work and light photo manipulation and editing. Um, but these days, I just use Photoshop when I somebody says some one of my friends or colleagues or somebody says something that I think would be hilarious if I were to Photoshop the situation. <laughs> and so I almost exclusively use Photoshop these days for that kind of thing. And now that it's on my iPad, I'm really excited that it'll be easy to go from having a conversation in iMessage on my iPad, switch over to Photoshop right quick. I don't need raw photos to do this. I just need to be <laughs> able to create some layers and do some masking. And then suddenly I have uh, my friend kissing a walrus because that was a conversation we had for some <laughs> reason. So yeah, uh, thank you all for your answers on that one. Let's go to our wow final topic, which comes from Jeff. So uh, Krista's question got me thinking, because on Monday, Adobe released new versions of basically all of its software, uh, Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, the works. Uh, they've made the case that one of the main benefits of the subscription approach to pricing is that you get all these updates when they're released. So you don't have to evaluate every year or two whether you want to upgrade. And Apple essentially does the same thing with their yearly OS updates. So my question is, do you take advantage of all the new features or are you even aware of them the way you did when we had to evaluate whether to buy in to a new version? Or do you end up doing mostly the same tasks with the same core features, even with the refresh software? 
This is a great question because it's something that I, I felt recently with iOS 13, especially it moves the updates for your apps into like under your profile in the app store. And so you kind of have to go hunting a little bit more to see when apps update. And for me, I almost never look. And so I'm always like, oh, there's a new app in this or new feature in this app that I've been using all this time that I didn't realize there was a feature there. Um, in some ways, because of the nature of updates, we all just I, I feel like we don't see as much the big new features that come in. And I think that's true to a certain extent with larger apps as well. Because if you're sort of on the subscription thing, it just keeps shoveling you new versions and you're, you know, every once in a while, you might get like a splash screen or something that tells you what's new. But sometimes, you know, you might go for a while not realizing there is a feature in there. It might even solve a problem that you have. Uh, with Mac OS and iOS especially, I find that because I write about them, I have to go hunting for things. But even once I've found these features, a lot of times... I don't end up really using them. Like I, I use them just to see what they do, but they never become part of my workflow. Um, so uh, with a rare exception, very recently I was giving a presentation via Skype and I realized because I was giving a keynote presentation, I needed like a separate monitor and I ended up using Sidecar with my iPad and it worked. And I was all like, wow, I found a use for Sidecar for me. Uh, have I used it since? No, I have not. But it was handy in that moment. So yeah, I think I think we've all become sort of inured to these constant stream of updates and it does mean that we miss out on a lot of things. Yeah, I I agree. I find it takes me a long time to start using new features, but I actually do use them. Um, it just takes me a while because it means changing my habits and changing my workflow. Um, it probably now takes me longer than it used to. Like I used to be so excited, but I also used to have more time on my hands. Um, so I'm not sure if that's really due to taking like new OSs um, for granted, um, especially like on the Mac because they're free now, um, or if it's just because I'm older and more set in my ways and just like, you know, I don't have as much energy to go looking for new features. Um, but um, I find I do, you know, like eventually, especially the ones that, that sort of keep cropping up and that people keep telling me about or that I hear about, or if I find something that works once accidentally, um, you know, eventually I'll remember like, oh, yeah, I can do it that faster way um, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I do it eventually. Uh, I OK, so I have a, a, a problem where I don't like the little tool tip type things. The, the iOS has the tips app um, and Adobe's suite of products have the little here's what's new. And when I say I don't like them, I am lying to myself, I am lying to you, and I'm lying to the world. Because it turns out <laughs> that those those tips and those those tool tips and things are actually incredibly helpful for remembering the new tools and new features that are available. And there are things that I forget that I can take advantage of. I uh I often do end up going back, you know, with with Adobe specifically. I've been using the same workflow in these apps that I use. Uh, I use Adobe Audition for editing audio. I use Adobe Photoshop for, as I said now, just the lols. Um, but <laughs> Adobe Illustrator for design work that I still do. And a lot of that stuff is stuff that I have have learned over the years. And so there's not necessarily anything new that is incredibly helpful. But it, it and so it kind of becomes hard to add. Uh, the new features to my workflow to take advantage of them and to want to use them. But when I am reminded of some of the new things that are available 
and can take advantage of them. I, it's kind of one of those things where you have to use it a few times to actually enjoy it and appreciate it. And I wish that I wouldn't... Micah, I wish you wouldn't lie to yourself. <laughs> I wish that I could <laughs> could get past this idea <laughs> that I don't like the tooltips and things because it turns out that every once in a while, I'll find myself going to Apple's website clicking on iOS, macOS, uh, tvOS, whatever, and then clicking on what's new and reading through that whole list and like, oh, right, I forgot I could do this really cool thing where my desktop is sorted by stacks. That's kind of fun. Or what's even better are the the finder actions that I always forget about that are, that are new in uh, Catalina. So I want to take advantage of the new things and it certainly would be smart in terms of uh, financial, the financial aspect. Uh, I am continuing to pay for, uh, at least for, for Adobe, I'm continuing to pay for these services. So I should take advantage of the new stuff. I just, um, maybe I need like a, a, an actual person to come up to me and say, hey, did you know that you can do this, 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 and this? Instead of just sort of clicking the X on that uh, tooltip thing. Uh, Jeff, any last thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I think, well, so I'm, I'm admittedly falling into that latter situation. I think some of it is muscle memory. Some of it is feature fatigue. And that could be entirely because, you know, this is what we do for a living. We're, we're looking for these things and writing about them. Um, and so I don't obsessively search for what's new anymore. I think some of it could be also that a lot of the new features tend to be more incremental. It's not like, you know, some big splashy thing that's happening you know, it's more like, hey, we've we've done something cool in the Finder, or um, one example, which actually sounds like a splashy new feature. Uh, you know, on the iPad, there are like new gestures for doing cut, copy, and paste. Um, I saw a little tooltip that popped up to tell me what they were. I was busy trying to do something else, so I ignored it, and now I have no idea what those are. <laughs> I think I think they'd be cool because I find that you know the cut, copy, paste the way it's been for a long time is kind of annoying, but it's what I know how to do. And so then I, I just fall back to doing that. So, um, but I think it's also a case of, uh, you know, good interface design, because for example, like in Apple photos on the, on the iPhone, it has this feature where it will automatically center a person in the frame, like in a video or, or in a photo sometimes. And, you don't really know what's happening, but there's like a little icon that has a little square and it's blue and, and, and a little star. And that tells you like it's done something. And then you tap that. You're like, oh, well, that was kind of helpful. But it, it was something that it did for me rather than me having to do. So I think there's also a bit of discovery that also needs to happen. Let's uh, have a moment of silence for Jeff never learning the finally multi-touch gestures for copy and paste. <laughs> so pathetic. Very sad. Very sad. He'll it's never so know. Pathetic. He'll never know. All right. That is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to the bonus topic, I want to talk to you, tell you about our other sponsor today. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Kensington, the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug-and-play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control means all their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker and you're looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, 
Check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. Visit kensington.com slash clockwise right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash clockwise to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic time. As I alluded at the top of the show, it was daylight savings time falling back this past weekend. My question for you is daylight savings time. Keep it or kill it, Krista. Drop, kick it into the sun, but do it quickly. <laughs> you got to do it quickly because it gets dark at 4.30 p.m. here, and you're going to need oh, that light to yeah. aim your quick. Man. You need that time. You need that time. Oh, too <laughs> soon. Too soon. No, that is such... Oh, I... Mm, yes, drop, kick it into the sun. I'm right there with you. Get rid of it. It makes me so sad whenever it's dark at 6 p.m. Yes. Goodbye, daylight savings time, 6 p.m. Haha. <laughs> in February, it's going to be like uh, dark at about 3.30 up here in uh, Seattle, so... Oof. The northern, yeah. the northern reaches. Uh, I say drop kick it into the moon. No, uh, <laughs> so much it easier. might survive there and create a new colony. We Damn can't it. have that. All right, <laughs> around here, the around here, the real hot topic is: should we just move to the Atlantic time zone? <laughs> so you know, everybody's got their time problems. But yeah, I, I agree. Get rid of it. It's annoying, and it makes our technology work badly. Anyways, that is the <laughs> end of the show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Krista Mergon. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And Jeff Carlson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you. And Micah, I wish we could just spring forward to next week, but we will have to wait <laughs> seven days to do that. So in the meantime, we remind all of our listeners out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>